Hello, people, and thank you for joining me and my friends on the Game Files podcast. My name is Matthew, and I will be hosting discussions on all things dice throwing, button mashing, page turning, and screen viewing from the past, present, and future of those things that occupy our spare time. Welcome back to the Game Files podcast. This is your host, Matthew, and today I'm joined by the ever-present Radis. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. And uh, also the not-so-ever-present, but still here today, Mad Marty. Glad to be here, though. This is going to be an exciting one. Oh, yeah. And then returning uh, from our pre-Gamageddon, post-Gamageddon podcast, we've got Jason. Hello, Internet. Today, we are going to be talking about arcades, right? So, you know, we're, we're, we're children of the 80s and uh, 80s and 90s, I guess, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, we all have a lot of experiences going to arcades, spending a lot of time, a lot of money at arcades, uh, you know, when we're not getting free games from, you know, people that know and love us. But that being said, arcades have been a big part of our lives at some point or another. And, and this, we're going to try to keep this from being a six-hour podcast, okay? So we're going to kind of just hit it out right out of the gate, start talking about our, our first experiences or our first impressions uh, as young children going to an arcade. And we will start today with Radis. Well, for all of our Rockford peeps out there, my first and earliest memory, of course, is Aladdin's Castle, Cherryvale Mall. Oh, yeah. Uh, four, five, six, going with the family. The only reason the mall was cool is because you could talk to dad or grandpa into going over to Aladdin's Castle and two or three bucks because games were a quarter apiece. So, you know, three bucks I could play for half hour to an hour, depending on what games I was playing. So while mom and dad, grandma's all off shopping, I'm, you know, playing video games. So I just... That was like the only reason as a child to go to Cherryville Mall. I spent a lot of time in Lens <laughs> Castle uh, back in the original days when it was down at the Sears Inn, which I haven't been in Cherryville since they've redone everything, so I don't even know what's down there anymore. But that and the Orange Julius right across it, so you'd always go grab something to drink or eat and then go back in the arcade and sit in front of Star Wars or uh, what was it? Uh, oh, sorry, I'm table. Uh, I want to say Airwolf. It's not Airwolf. What was the one with the two machine guns? Operation Wolf. That's it. Operation Wolf. Me and my dad played that a lot and put a lot of quarters in that machine. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, once you do that, and then it's like every vacation, it's like, ooh, this hotel has an arcade. So, you know, your parents are hanging out of the pool. Pool's cool and all, but it's like, hey, here's a buck. Let's see what video games have. Even if they only had one or two, maybe three, you know, standing in front of a Pac-Man machine or Donkey Kong, you know, spending a lot of times of that in the hotels whenever we weren't, you know, doing whatever the vacation stuff was. So it was a huge thing. It's just part of travel, and then anytime I went to the mall. Oh, yeah. So those are my earliest memories. Awesome. So, Radius, it's funny that you referenced the arcade by Sears, and I remember when Aladdin's Castle was down by Sears. And, you know, the Sears at the mall closed a couple of years ago, and it has now okay. been replaced with a giant arcade. <laughs> which I oh, have, that's which, right. Which I've yet that's to totally go right. to. <laughs> okay. So, so it's one of those, like, Dave & Buster styles. They've got, like, a floor of, like, ticket arcade games, uh, traditional arcade games. They've got uh, cosmic bowling and just okay. a variety of different things, food, beer. So it's just, uh, it's called, I think it's called with the Tilt. I think so. Okay. Not to be confused so, with the tilt at Northtown Mall back in the day, right, which was yeah. one of See, my favorite get, arcades. Yep, I didn't do that in. By that time, I, that was uh, into like the early high school for us. So I didn't do tilt. 
a whole lot. Or yeah, because and then the other one that was out on Game Factory. Yeah, Game Factory. Game Factory. That was probably the best overall arcade, I thought. Yeah, but it didn't last long, and that was sad. Horrible location. Yeah, well, Well, there were two two locations. There was was one on on Riverside that didn't last long, but actually there was one that had been around for about seven or eight years on uh, Alpine, right by Alpine and Mulford. Yep, yep. Well, well, since you're jumping in there, Jay, why don't you go ahead and tell us your earliest experiences at an arcade? So earliest experiences, uh, for me, it kind of started at two places. Obviously, we had several arcades around town that occasionally, like you said, Ray, you know, you'd go to the mall with your parents and be able to sneak in. But for me, the first place it really started was the bowling alley, Don Carter. My parents were in bowling leagues when I was a kid. And at the time, like I say they have a decent arcade, but looking back on it, you know, they had like eight machines, which for a bowling alley, I felt was like a pretty decent arcade. And that was really like my first foray into like arcade video games uh, where my parents would be bowling at night and they'd give me, you know, four or five bucks. And I'd go over and just play in that arcade until I ran out of money. And, you know, being seven, eight years old, I ran out of money pretty quick. (laughs) So then I would just watch everybody else play. And if there was nobody in the arcade and I couldn't watch people play, (coughs) I had this like sense of dread. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, but there, I fell in love with games like Arachnoid. Uh, the you have the trackball, and you know your yeah. sh- the balls bouncing off all the colored bricks. Even though at like seven, eight years old, I was absolutely awful at that game. Uh, they had a game called Choplifter, like a mid eighty, early eighties game where you're flying this helicopter around and saving people. The cool thing about that game was it was one of the first games that I found that you could go both ways on the screen, as where a lot of yeah. video games. You go one way and the screen scrolls with you. This one, you could go back to places you'd been because you would actually fly to pick people up, rescue them, then bring them back to your base. Uh, And then they had Xenophobe, which was another game I always thought was super cool because it was this co-op on multiple levels and you're running around shooting aliens. And it had this really neat controller that was different than a traditional joystick. Uh, so there was that. And then when I was, I used to go visit my grandparents in Alabama in the summers and they lived in a town of about six people. There was literally owned acres and acres of land and we couldn't play outside because it was filled with rattlesnakes and (laughs) copperheads and all these poisonous snakes. So like every other day, my grandparents would take me to, there was a, a city about 45 minutes away that had a mall. And I, they, my grandma would give me 20 bucks. And as a kid, oh $20 in the arcade, you're rich, right? Yeah. Uh, and there, two games I absolutely fell in love with that I just kept going back to. I, I literally think I spent the whole 20 bucks in these two games every time we went. Was the Bad Dudes arcade game, which I I'm thought bad. was great. Because you could play two <laughs> players at the same time. And when they ported that to the NES, they took that feature away. It was a two-player game, but you had to take turns just like you do in Mario. And then the original Afterburner cabinet. That oh, was the dude, full it was cabinet so fun. That did mm-hmm. like the forward back, side to side. I oh, thought yeah. that was like the greatest game of all time. It made you feel like you were in a flight simulator. And, like, and I've went back and played that since at Galloping Ghost. And it's awful. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Yeah. It's so bad. But in the mid-80s. It was the greatest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. It's like the, uh, what was that, that virtual tank combat where it was two pods side by side. Yep. 
and you fought each other and it's like it was again at that point was the greatest thing ever now you play it and it's like mm, yeah i think i've got better stuff on my cell phone <laughs> <laughs> so i have some favorite arcade memories but i'll save that till we yeah get to we'll, that we are definitely going to get there so marty what about you first first experiences brother first experiences with arcades most of us local boys here will mention the land's castle because it was kind of like the gold standard for arcades early on. Uh, one place that, that, well, when I went to the mall, I, and I'm talking young, we're talking three, four years old. I used to remember my mom taking me around on the stroller and the arcade was so neat because he had the lights and he had the noises. It was like a moth to a flame or, you know, uh, looking at a Christmas tree or something during the holiday season. I didn't get into Aladdin's Castle until later in life because that became the regular holiday stop. Um, but I am aware that cafe across the, across the hallway, it was actually an A&W. Oh, and I yeah. Remember back yep. th- oh, yeah, you are right. It was You're right. A&W. You're right. And I remember back then you could smoke in the mall. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that place just reeked the cigarettes. Yes, it did. But, uh, the, the arcade that I really was into early on was actually Celebration Station. Oh, yeah, before it became uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, so th- for those that don't know, it's, it was like a, a local version of Chuck E. Cheese. Ch- Go ahead. There was a Chuck E. Cheese out in uh, Love's Park, Pinchesney Park. It's kind of out by where Backyard Grill was, or is now. That's where Chuck E. Cheese was out. In, and uh, Celebration Station was State Street, uh, west of Alpine. Yeah, right, right, yep. right across the Magna. Uh, was it Hobby Station or whatever? The train place that also sold RPG books. Yeah, right. Yeah, Royal Hobby, and then there was Royal Union Hobby. Hall. Yeah, I mean that back in when we were kids, that was like the area of town. That was like the the place. But I remember with uh, Celebration Station, and it had like its own little animatronic animal chill thing going on, its own pizza. It was my first experience with games like Joust, Centipede. Ski ball. So yeah, my first experience with uh, redemption uh, counters, and then you have like Tron and Dig Dug. So those were the uh, first early arcade memories I had, and I I grew up with the arcades every step of the way. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Matthew? Yeah. So so for me, um, growing up in like a ten house neighborhood that was surrounded by forest preserve, cornfield, and airport property. I, I did not have a lot of opportunities to go to any arcades. Um, maybe once a year, maybe twice at most, we would uh, we'd go to the Cherryvale Mall, and there was Aladdin's Castle. And, and I remember walking by there, and every single time I'd walk by, even as a super young kid, you you know, like you said, the moth to a flame, you know, the, those sounds, it's like little kids just want to go in there. And all I wanted to do was go in and play a game, right? Well... That didn't happen for me until a little bit later. But I remember it wasn't an arcade per se, but there used to be up at the, there was a lake cottage I would go to. Uh, my grandparents had a lake cottage and there was a, like a bar down the street. And uh, once in a while, my dad would, you know, get a, you know, get an urge to, you know, have, have a drink after fishing all day. And we'd go down there and they had, they had a haunted house pinball machine and uh, the Aliens arcade game. Now it wasn't a sh- it wasn't a shooter in the in the sense where it had guns. Um, you were actually playing Ripley or whatever one of the other characters were. I don't know if it was Hicks or what the deal was. But anyways, I would play that game, and you know I'd only get 
probably 50 cents or something. So I'd only get to play it maybe twice, but I just really enjoyed it. Like it was like, I, I, I the, it's almost like a euphoric experience, you know, because I never got to do it. And then later on, which again, we'll talk about favorites uh, uh, with you, Marty, you're the one who actually helped me not, not too much older, but actually get into the arcade thing a little bit. But you know, it's, it was just, uh, arcades are even for me today, every time I walk by one, I'm looking in there like, what do they got? Like what's, what's in there? Cause it's awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's yep. an interesting, you know, it's an interesting feeling and it brings, there's definitely a nostalgia with it. Even if it's new games, it just seems like it's going to be awesome if I were to go in there, but now I don't go in there because I'm going to shop for clothes or something and it's lame. Well, <laughs> Ray, Ray, even to your point, like you talked about when you go on vacation and it was about, you know, what games were at the hotel. I had that same feeling like, yeah, pools are cool, but I want to know what arcade games they got. Yep. And we used to vacation up in the Dells quite a bit. And I would like log all the games that different we'd stay at different hotels all the time. And I would log the games they had or how big their game room was. And then I would try to convince my parents to stay at certain <laughs> hotels. You stay over there. Like, yeah. yeah, I know the pool shop, but you should see the arcade. It's amazing. Yeah, yep. and and you know, and you, even even you know, to this Jay. yeah even to this day, um, uh, we'll go to the, to the wilderness because I think they have three arcades. It's at least uh-huh. two, if not three arcades in that in that chain, and that's the reason I want to go back. It's it's not the the indoor wave pool or any of that. It's the, it's the arcades. Yeah, nope. <laughs> that's why. When we travel, I always, when I was a kid, try to get my parents to stay at a Holiday Inn that had a holodome because that was it. Oh, it had the good pool, all that. Yep. And then it had the arcades or a pool table, and, you know, and all of that. So it was like, okay, mom and dad's lounge it over there. And if I could, you know, swindle a couple bucks out of it, I disappeared at the arcade for a couple hours. So, well, it's one of those holodomes by the Six Flags in St. Louis. Oh, oh is sure. it? Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to check Jay, it out. One, <laughs> Jay, one thing that you said earlier, though. You had mentioned Don Carter Lanes. When I was a kid, bowling alley traditionally meant arcade somewhere. Yeah. You it was like, that yeah. I was a kid the same time you were a kid, right? Well, no. yeah, I get that. But, uh, <laughs> back, in, back in my day, we had, we had to walk up Ice Hill both ways to play yeah. arcades. <laughs> That's awesome. Had to make sure the mule was fed so it'd power up. Yeah, so so we've kind of already touched on this, but I was kind of hoping we can go around and, you know, talk about you know some of our favorite memories at the arcade. And I mean, there's this this could go on forever, so we'll try to keep it to a couple each. Um, and then you know after we're done recording, we'll talk about more. Um, but you know, uh, again, we'll just kind of go kind of go around like we did. So, uh, Radis, what what are some of your favorite arcade memories? Oh, it, like I said, it was spending, getting to spend that one hour it was just either me and my dad or me and my grandpa or, you know, all three of us. Grandfather wasn't big in the arcade, but he was whatever made me happy. But it's just getting to spend that, you know, hour in there. And when I was younger, it was, you know, me and dad was always looking for the two-player games. So Operation Wolf, you know, plunking down $10 total because we're both playing and plunking in quarters because, you know, I was six. So, you know, you get run out of lives really quick. I think... A little bit older, uh, I think me and my dad have beaten every Time Cop game. I think it's Time, yeah, time, time or, Crisis. Yeah, time, time, crisis. Time, time Crisis, sorry, yeah. Time Crisis. I know we've beaten one, two, and three. I don't know if we've gotten to four yet, which is at Dave & Buster's. But, you know, again, it's just one of those getting to spend that time with my dad. You know, granted, it's, you know, I'm 30 or something, but it's still, you get that time just with your dad. It's just you and him playing the video game. 
laughing as, you know, you get shot from making a dumb mistake or, you know, wiping out a boss without taking any hits, you know, and being able to go, hey, we actually beat that with like three bucks each. That's 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 pretty cool. So that for me was what, you know, granted, I love all the video games and Star Wars. The original arcade game is still the bane of my existence. Um Crappy graphics and a horrible <laughs> controller, but a fun game. Great game. Uh, it's yeah, awesome. Great game. But again, arcade games at that point were not designed to be beaten. They were designed for you to plunk that next quarter in about a minute after playing. But for me, like I said, a lot of my good memories and favorite memories are just the time spent with my dad and my grandfather in the arcades. And again, going, you know, Orlando, uh, doing Disney and all of that and hitting the arcade that's actually in Disney World and spending, you know, an hour and a half in there with just me and my dad as my mom's getting mad because she wants to go ride a ride. And me and dad are you know, playing the new video games that aren't at Ardlands Castle yet because it's Rockford and <laughs> Rockford gets the cool video games after everyone else does. Nice. So, so Jason, what about you? So like you said, I mean, the list of like memorable arcade moments could go on forever. So I'll try to narrow it down to a couple, but real quick, just to follow up on Ray's point, like the time crisis games are amazing. I love them, but damn, do your arms hurt after playing yes, those. They do. It's just fully extended shooting for like 45 yep. minutes. Like there's no blood in my arms when I'm done playing the time yeah, crisis. It's true. Game. Uh, I'm just like, oh. Think your arms hurt there? Play Colonial Marines, the newest oh, uh, alien one with the machine gun. Yeah, uh-huh. that one's crazy. I, play, I played yeah. that last time I was in the Dells, yeah. Yeah, those are they're just they're fun, but like I said, they're they take a toll on you. You have to physically prepare to play those games. Like you yep. gotta go work out. <laughs> You're like lifting so, weights, oxygenating your blood, like <laughs> at the gym, people are like, Oh, are you an athlete? No, I play video games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so <clears throat> this one is my most vivid memory, and I I remember it to this day like it was yesterday. So the tilt at Northtown was a really popular arcade when I was in middle school. And at that time, Street Fighter II was the game of games. That was the game that everybody played. Like, you waited in line. You put your quarter down, and you knew you were waiting four, five, six quarters deep before you were getting a chance to play. And there's a good chance that you're going to play the guy that's, like, been playing for six hours and can't be beat, and your match is going to be over quick, but you had to play it. And there would just be a crowd around Street Fighter II. And this is pre-internet, so this is before you could go online and look up moves. Like, if you wanted to know moves, two things had to happen. You had to play a ton, or you had to wait months for GamePro to come out and there to be codes in there, and either you or one of your friends got the GamePro and you shared it, and you didn't lose the little sheet you wrote the codes down on. But because you you didn't have it at home, you couldn't practice it. So you'd get your 30 seconds with your two quarters, and you'd maybe throw a fireball. So I'm at the tilt. (laughs) waiting to play Street Fighter 2, and Mortal Kombat had just come out. And at this time, like I said, Street Fighter was the game. If you just looked at Mortal Kombat, the graphics were kind of... Uh, the gameplay wasn't intriguing like it was Street Fighter. It didn't draw you in. So occasionally, some people would play Mortal Kombat while they were waiting for their turn on Street Fighter, but it didn't have, like, the crowd. And I remember vividly sitting there watching people play Street Fighter... And we've got this big crowd, and then we hear somebody say, holy shit, just knock that guy's head off. And literally, <laughs> the whole crowd just shifted. Everybody just looked, and like that, Mortal Kombat was the game. Like, the arcade dynamic just changed, and 
everybody wanted to know about Mortal Kombat. Like, I remember that vividly, and it was just such a surreal and cool moment. Yeah, and I, actually, I, re- I remember, um, oh, gosh, we, I went to, I think it was you and I, Marty, we went to a, a festival, I think it was in Milwaukee, when we were kids, and it was right at that time, and they had kind of an outdoor arcade set up, and I remember uh, everybody, we, we walked through it, but everybody was around Mortal Kombat, and then, like you said, Street Fighter was empty, which was bananas. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that moment. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, looking back at a couple other fond memories that I have in arcades, when Nickel World fo- first opened up, that was great because it was it was such a change in the dynamic of the arcade. When Nickel World first opened up, when it was still just an arcade full of video games, you paid $5 to get in. Or I think it was actually like two bucks. I think it was two, two bucks to get in, and then half the games were a nickel, half the games were set to free. Like that was the first place I ever beat the Simpsons arcade game. Uh, I think it was the first place I ever beat Virtual Cop Two, like because uh, they had these games set to free, so you could actually just pay your two bucks, go in and play. And they had a ton of games when they first opened up. Like it was a fun arcade, uh, and then just any time you could have a chance to dominate like a fighting game for a little bit was always fun. Like if I was able to win four or five matches on street fighter or Tekken or killer instinct or any of those fighting games, you just had like this sense of pride. You were beaming like all of a sudden you're the man at the arcade. So, and then you'd run into that guy that you couldn't get a hit on <laughs> pretty much. Yep. So what about yes, you, Marty? Yes. I, I know you got lots of experience. Yeah, but I, I, I'm going to kind of keep this capped. Sure. Uh, and remind me later, Jay, there, there's a few things about uh, arcade pride that I want to go over. But uh, <laughs> for me, again, going back to Celebration Station, I remember they used to give us uh, free tokens. You know, it wasn't quarters, it was tokens back then uh, for good grades on your report card. So every first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, you had your report card, if you had good grades on it, you could get like an additional one or two tokens per grade that you had. That was actually like a thing back then. In Aladdin's Castle, I also did a couple birthday parties there. And I know, Matthew, you were around for one or two of those. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing, to Jay's point earlier, when he said workout, yeah, it was workout. My big thing is I'd always break out into a vicious sweat. Every single time I walked out of an arcade, yep. and uh, it was great. It didn't matter because I'd go right over to A and W, get my Pepsi or Coke or whatever, and just chill. You know, so I'd have like maybe three bucks for the arcade, and then another buck for a Coke. So I'd, I'd get all worked up, and then I'd go across the hall and chill out. That was kind of the way it was done, especially around Christmas, because my parents loved dumping us at the arcade at Christmas. They could do their Christmas shopping, not have to worry about what we were doing. And, uh, you know, times were a lot safer back then. You could dump your kids in places like that. You wouldn't have an issue. Um, but, uh, of course, guys, we'll probably get to this a little bit later. I've, obviously, I worked in an arcade at one point. So I got a few things to say about that later, too. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but that point about the sweat. That is that is probably a memory that Aladdin's Castle down by Sears. That thing was 
always like 25 degrees warmer <laughs> than the rest of that mall. I remember going in there, getting into that sweat. And then as soon as you crossed off of that carpet onto that, the, the tiled floor, it was just like instant cold. Didn't matter. 102 degrees outside, going to that Aladdin's castle, walk out of Aladdin's castle. And it felt like it was 40 degrees in that hall. Because you were just sweating from head to toe. That was such a tiny spot, too. It was. It was small. It was cramped. It was dark. It was perfect. It was. It it was was the best. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so one of my one of my favorite moments. um, And again, it wasn't necessarily the arcade. It was. It's going to be going back to that Lake Cottage thing. So they had a. So they had a haunted. It was like a haunted house um, pinball game. And um, there was one of the few times that I was able to bring a friend up there. Um, I brought, uh, we were able to bring my friend Scott. And so, you know, we, we walked down to the tavern, as they called it. And, you know, we had, I, I don't know, a couple bucks each. And we went in there and we were playing this pinball game. So we figured out how to pull, uh, pull it back just enough so that the pinball would go into the special like slot and then give us a ton of points and we'd essentially get a free like a free game so we could on one quarter if we were uh agile enough we could play just continuously for you know 45 minutes to an hour on on a quarter maybe a couple you know a few quarters um but the thing about it was is every there was a you'd hit a certain trigger and dracula would start talking and it was it was muted and it was supposed to be like you know welcome into my house i am dracula but it, it was blue welcome into my house i'm Agula, and we would just die like we were just dying every single time like that was our goal to have that that said every time so uh seriously shout- that's where that came from yes yes that is exactly what that came from um, you can say that for 20 years. I know. 20 years, like 30. <laughs> but um, I, I just wanted to share really quick, um, you know, for you guys listening, uh, I actually still have an Aladdin's Castle token that I'm holding up right now. Nice. Um, it's from back in the day. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's in my coin collection. It's probably worth nothing, I'd imagine. But it's worth a lot to me because it's it's definitely a good memory there. But the other, my other favorite memory actually came uh, in high school. So we were at Cyber Station. So Aladdin's Castle moved, and ev- they eventually renamed it to Cyber Station. And there was this game. It was called, and, and Marty, you might have to help me. It was Mace. What was it? Mace the Gathering or Mace? Mace the Dark Age. That, and I'll get to that one too. Yep. yep. So, so uh, my girlfriend then, my now wife was playing one of the characters on there and it's a, it was a back and forth character. And, you know, my, my girlfriend, uh, you know, would, would basically go back and forth and just button mash. Right. And she'd get pretty far. She never, she never beat it, but she, you know, on a quarter, she'd play uh, maybe four or five matches versus the computer, which, you know, it's kind of cool. Right. Get to see some things. Well, this, this uh, guy comes in and he pops, you know, pops his quarter in to go against her. And he looks at her like he's like, I'm going to take you down. He didn't say it, but he just kind of gives her the snide look. And she handed him his rear end, right? And then he pops another quarter in, and she wins. He pops another quarter in. She wins. So he popped oh, – I mean, it wasn't a quarter. It was actually 50 cents or more or something like that. But anyways, he probably dropped like three or four bucks trying to, trying to beat her and couldn't. So, so he comes in. Or so he leaves and he's all frustrated and like 
stomping off and it was like that was in front of his crew too yeah well no it wasn't his no that's not what happened so he he so he went he left and came back with his crew and or no it was in front of his girlfriend that's what it was it was in front of his girlfriend he left to get his crew and they came back and this guy came in and and finally beat her and uh, for those of you who who know my wife she's like okay you know, it was no sweat off her back, but they were all like high fiving, like they just you know won won the Super Bowl or something. I'm like, she doesn't even know how to play. I mean, she's just smashing <laughs> buttons and and yep. pulling the lever she left just, and right, and she Eddie Gordoed him pretty much. But I was I was I mean I was dying, and I mean we still talk about that to this day, like once in a while, whenever we pop into an arcade. Uh, but it was just yeah, that was a a heck of a lot of fun. So you know we've got. So, so you know, we're talking about these con- – sorry, not consoles. Uh, we'll talk about that Real eventually. Real quick, man. Yeah, just, uh, Ray, because you just mentioned Eddie Gordo, <laughs> I'm going to ask you for your opinion. Cheapest fighting character ever, Eddie Gordo or Orchid from Killer Instinct? Uh, neither one. It's uh, Hoang from – no, it's Hoang from uh, – uh, that's a good one too. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the editor order of Tekken, but his kick hitbox was like half the screen. At least with Eddie <laughs> Gordo, it's just the lower half, so you could use projectiles. But Harang, he's he's the yeah. Orchid's Orchid's pretty close. But, um, well, with but, Orchid, you could literally just hit any combination of yeah. buttons and pull an ultra combo every time. She well, like, Harang was just. Back and forth on the kick buttons yep. is all you had was, to do. That, 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 that was the one my crazy. wife played. Yeah. Ultra <laughs> crazy. Combo. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. that's hilarious. <laughs> so before we move on, I do have a killer instinct moment. I think yeah, go ahead. Marty was with me with the arcade that was over on Alpine, a little strip mall up from Arnold Palmer. Uh, this that was, was game a game factory. Was yep. that game factory? That game okay, factory. so I had been there. So I believe Marty was with me. We went in there, and I had just gotten killer instinct for the Super Nintendo. So I was like, all right. So I was learning some of the moves. So I was like, oh, let's try it. Let's see if the moves from console transfer to the arcade. So again, I was sitting there playing, you know, the playing the, the computer guys. The guy comes in, plunks down his, and he's like, all right. So we play the first match. I barely beat him. He's like, all right. He put along to the second one. So I picked Cinder, which was like the character that I, I knew. <laughs> and I pull off the Ultra. But I was kind of a jerk because as soon as i hit the combo i took my hands off and turned around and started talking i believe it was marty and talked to him while that whole combo went off of this guy's just hitting buttons trying to break it and i didn't even touch it as it just obliterates him with a 25 hit combo and he just got mad and stormed out I'm like maybe i should have paid attention and not talked to jeff while he was uh losing to the ai of my character well yeah um actually do we got do we guys want to talk about our greatest uh Arcade victories, really. I mean, much. you know, we're kind of segueing right into it, so let's do it. Yeah. Who wants to start? I'll, I'll, I'll go. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny that you that you mentioned that, right? It's because back when I worked at the arcade, uh, from when I was like eighteen to just about twenty, I spent a couple of years working the arcade, and it was a candy job and, and a lot of candy too. I kind of, <laughs> anyways, you know, redemption counters. You know, they got like uh, taffies and stuff in there. But anyways, uh, we. We kind of had like an unspoken rule. If you ever walked up to an arcade machine, you're not allowed to lose. <laughs> so uh, my greatest triumphs, triumphs at the arcade 
where one time with Mace the Dark Age, kind of going back to that, um, at one point, the way that the game worked was you only got a high score. It only recorded one high score per character used. So every character had uh, had a high score associated with it, and that's how you landed on the chart. At one point, I had like all 10 or all 12 of the high score slots saved with my initials with the highest score. So that's how much time I spent on that game. Uh, even after hours I would play it, I wasn't supposed to, but I had the arcade completely dark, and I would actually ring up a few credits and uh, play until, you know, two hours later. The other big one that I did was uh, Soul Calibur. I had mastered uh, playing the game with one hand. So what I would do is I would uh, move the joystick with my thumb and the combat buttons with my uh, three or four fingers uh, to beat my opponents with literally one hand behind my back. And uh, I remember I kind of did something kind of similar to what Raidus did once. And my buddy Hitabio was with us that day, and he had said, you know, Marty, it'd be real. sometimes it's good, it's better to take your victories with a smile as opposed to a grin. And it kind of stuck with me ever since. But yeah, those are the two real big uh, accomplishments that I had, beating people with one hand behind my back, and then having all 10 high scores on uh, Mace the Dark Age. And that was about only two weeks. Somebody finally... Uh, Got one of them with a uh, stick guy. I forgot his name, but uh, oh, but uh, yeah. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll jump in. So my my most proud moment, or uh, my best achievement ever, would have to be at Galloping Ghost. So if you're not familiar with Galloping Ghost, it is a massive arcade in Chicago. It's the greatest place in the world, basically. It's twenty bucks at the door. Every game is set to free. They're open from like 11 a.m. till 2 a.m. And they have close to 700 arcade games. And they're constantly getting more. It's insane. You can spend all day there and not play half the games. I mean, it's just amazing. And you pay your 20 bucks. They give you tickets. You can come in and out throughout the day. But they have something called Challenging the Champion. So they actually have this like WWF championship belt that's adorned with like galloping ghost spray paint and stuff. And once a day, if you're there, you can challenge the champion. And if you challenge the champion, a random game is drawn from their computer of their 700 games and you challenge who's ever holding the belt. And if the person's holding the belt is there, they have to play you. If they're not there, they call them and they have an hour to get there or they vacate the belt. <laughs> so uh, when you challenge the champion, it, it could be any random game. You have no idea what you're going to play. So it's hard to prepare because you can't say I want to challenge him at this game. If it is a two-player, like a fighting game, then you just straight up fight each other. And the winner wins the belt. But most games that they pull aren't going to be like that. So what they'll do is the challenger goes first. They set up a normal free play. So if you get three lives or whatever it is, and you play, and the challenger gets to watch you. So they get to see all the moves you make. They get to see the secrets and everything and where enemies are going to pop up. And then when your game's over, they play. And it's high score wins. High score wins the belt. Uh, if you win the belt, then it's yours, and you're the, you're the champion until somebody challenges you and beats you. You can only challenge the champion one time, so you can't just keep re-challenging them. 
If you win the belt, uh, it's free drinks and snacks and stuff while you're holding on to the belt. So uh, we were the first time I was there, I was there with a group of friends. Actually, this was the second time. The first time we went, we didn't know about this feature. And uh, the second time I went, my friend who went with me said, I'm going to challenge champion today. And then he told us all about it. So Brian, my friend, was like, I'm challenging the champion. And they pulled this game. I forget what it's called, but it's kind of like Pac-Man. It's like a generic Pac-Man. And the champion there actually was like a champion of this game (laughs) and just decimated Brian. Like, it wasn't even funny. So then uh, my brother-in-law, Jonathan's like, well, I'll try it. And so they pulled some other game. And I think he got a fighting game and he got smoked. Uh, So I was like, well, I might as well do it. I'm probably going to get beat because this guy is obviously amazing. Uh, We pulled Defender 2. I had never played Defender 2. Luckily for me, the champion had also never played Defender 2, and I defeated the champion. I got to hold the belt. Probably the proudest moment of my life. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) How long did you get to hold the belt? Uh, So the fourth member of our party challenged me. And we pulled Galaga, which is one of my all-time favorite games that I consider myself very good at. And I looked at him and I go, you're going to get crushed. And sure enough, I got cocky and I kept looking at him while I was playing and he ended up beating me. (laughs) So I held the belt for about five minutes. Best five minutes of my life. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) What about you, Radis? Um, Well, obviously, that Killer Instinct, I thought was pretty cool. Um, the other one, I guess, I don't remember what uh, pinball it was, but I only had like a dollar. So I went in, plugged in the 50 cents, and played on that machine for the entire hour. When I got done, my mom and dad walked up, was like, it's time to go. And I handed it off to some kid, and it still had like 30 free plays on it. I was just hitting everything. So like for an hour on just one play, the kid just was just watching me, and it's like, just amazed as I was ever, like nothing was going wrong. And I was like, oh, I just want to keep playing because the scores just kept going up and it just kept popping. And a couple of the employees walk over and watch me, making sure I wasn't doing anything, you know, shady because it would pop. And then like 30 seconds later, pop again, just kept hitting those free plays. Um, other than that, like I said, other than beating the, the time crisis with my dad, a lot of my arcade was just jumping from game to game. I didn't really play a whole, like the fighter games. They were fun. And I was okay at them, but I I preferred more the uh, the harder games. I guess the ones where I was like, okay, the uh, the D and D one, the stuff that you plunk in fifty cents and then die immediately. Uh, going getting through uh, Gauntlet, the original overhead yep. view uh, four player Gauntlet game. I guess that was another one. It's been several times I've been able to play up for a good 35, 40 minutes on a single single buy in, just knowing where the food is. So. Cool. So I didn't get to humiliate too many people. So unlike Jay and Marty over there. So. Yeah. So so my uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give two, two. One of them is kind of a generic one. It's just that I I beat a game. Uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day. That's a really hard game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I beat that game. Um, it took a lot of quarters, so it wasn't I was like. Just about to ask, how much did that cost you? It it was probably like two or three weeks worth of allowance. <laughs> like as yeah. as a teenager so um but but i beat it and it i mean it it was awesome right you know i got to see all the you know well basically got to see the end and uh 
Raven, if you're listening, hopefully you never beat that one and you think it's impossible, just like all the other games that I've beaten that you think are impossible. <laughs> um, but my, see, now I'm drawing a blank. No, my se- uh, second memory, yeah, was, um, okay, so there's this game called Time Killers. And uh, I, I had never played this game before. It looked weird. Um, and this was actually at one of Marty's parties, Marty's parties that we uh, had <laughs> at uh, Aladdin's. And like all the other fighting games were taken. It was a busy day. And I had, you know, all the tokens that his mom gave me. And I was just trying to find something to play. So there was this game kind of in the corner. And I mean, it was the graphics on it were very cartoony. I mean, you could kind of say they were a little bit like Street Fighter 2, not quite as good, maybe. Um, but it was called Time Killers. And I'm watching, you know, the little the the little intros and how they're you know, jumping around and it's really, I mean, it's not a very skilled game. Okay. It, it, the moves are very clunky. Um, and it's, it's very basic. So, so I'm playing this game and, you know, I I beat like two or three of the, of the guys and then, and this is going to sound awful, but this little kid comes up. I mean, the kid's probably seven or eight years old. I'm probably 12 or 13. And he, you know, puts his quarter in and, and when we go, you know, we're going to go against each other. And I didn't know this at the time, uh, but if you hit a certain combo of buttons with, with each character, uh, they have a chance of cutting the other person's head off and, and winning instantly. So this eight year old kid, I hit, I just smashed some buttons and cut his head off, not in real life in the game. And, uh, It was one of those moments I laughed hysterically and I mean, partly because I didn't know you could cut their heads off. And the other part was that I just ended this kid's 25 cents in like one second. And I know that I'm a terrible person for this, but it was just, I loved it. It was, it wasn't necessarily a great achievement, but it made me laugh a lot. So that's, that's mine. I don't, I don't have a lot of great achievements because to be fair, I never spent enough time to play those games and beat them except for Terminator 2. So you and I have talked about time killers before. That's such an underrated game. Yeah. It's bad. Like it's it's terrible, really bad. It's clunky. The moves are extremely basic. It's, it's a street fighter knockoff with weapons and gore. Yeah. Uh, like my favorite though is if you cut somebody's arms off yeah, and armless they victory. beat you, they get an armless victory. <laughs> the only thing they can do is jumping kicks, but they still have a chance at beating you. I have played this game now, because that I do remember. Yeah, there's did, like a guy yeah. with a chainsaw. There's like a mantis yep. with like some arms. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but with the chainsaw guy, I think if you hit like literally, you have to do it the second the match starts. Yep. It's like back forward all four buttons. It literally just lop the guy's head off, and you get an instant victory. Yeah, but easily blocked though. Yeah. Well, it's all timing. You like yeah. you have to time it down perfect. Yeah, and 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 the character I was using was the mantis. So, and and it's funny because he rears back, and then his his uh, uh it start his blade starts spinning and just shoop, and that kid didn't even know it was coming. I didn't even know it was coming. It was awesome. So, you know, yeah. it's his parents' fault for letting him play such a violent game at six years yep, old. Yep, exactly. So, and you now that kid a lesson. And now yep. he's a serial killer. So, you know, so we're talking about, um, you know, all the arcade games we played. So, we're going to maybe talk about a little bit of a sadder topic as far as arcades go. And that was uh, when consoles 
started becoming king, but not quite. So a lot of games uh, were translated from the arcade to a console, and they just weren't that great. You kind of talked about bad dudes already as being one where in the, in the arcade you play two-player, but on the console, and I believe that was the, the original NES, um, uh-huh. yeah, you could only play one player. And there was, you know, Operation Wolf was... Ugh. Like, well, that was it was horrible. It was, that was horrible terrible. controller. But um, I think Operation Wolf was all that bad, guys. And on oh the God, draw, yes. on, it was terrible. Yeah. You had the little the little rectacle that you had to yeah. steer instead of yeah. actually having a gun to point. Sorry to hear that. Moving on. <laughs> I remember you had that though, or at least rented it or something at some time. I, um, I think I owned it for a while because it was one of mine and my dad's favorites yep. in the arcade. So, so kind of just going around, and we could just shoot some of these out. Some of the some of the games that we played on consoles that were were well. I mean, honestly, it could be maybe they were good, but um, for the most part, that were let down. So I already gave a couple. Somebody else throw some out there. I got I got a couple. Uh, two real uh, good ones, at least based on history. I didn't really play them much in the arcade, but I I hear that they were pretty good ports. Uh, one was uh, Ninja Gaiden. The other one was uh, Rygar. Those were originally uh, yep. arcade to uh, home console ports. It actually worked out really good. The worst port that I ever played, though, from uh, arcade into um, home console was probably Smash TV for the NES. That one was rough. Yeah, that was pretty bad. A lot of the problem with the ports, too, was when the NES came out, it just didn't have the hardware to support a lot of these games to the level that they did in the arcade. When you started seeing games get ported to, like, the PlayStation and some of the more modern-day systems, the ports were a lot better. But when you look at those early ports, they just they didn't have the the hardware, the capacity to really port them to the home system. Uh, But even in some of those modern systems, the one that always sticks out to me uh, and it's just, it's not a game that can be replicated outside of the arcade is Silent Scope. Like, yes. So, so Silent yeah. Scope, the the sniper game where you actually have to look through the the scope of the gun and then there's like another screen inside there. They ported that to, uh, I don't know if all systems, but I know the Saturn had it. Yeah, I was. And yeah. when you would actually try to snipe people, it was just awful. Yeah, that's I. I never played that, but I just uh, be, as research for this podcast, that actually came up as a as a terrible port. So, yeah, um, one of the other ones actually was uh, Mace: The Dark Ages. Um, they ported that yeah, over. Was it was not good. Um, I believe it was. Was it the N sixty four? I think so. I believe, yeah. and it was. It was awful. Yeah. It was absolutely. I think awful. it was. Like one of the first games, well, not first, first games, but when that first batch, I was like, oh, the FX chip, if I remember correctly, we're like trying to mimic the arcade graphics on the 64. If I remember correctly, I may be completely off on that, but my brain says that Mace was an FX game. Now, now a decent port um, that, that happened was uh, uh, Gauntlet, was it Gauntlet Legacy? I believe it was dark, yeah. dark, dark legacy. Dark legacy. Yeah. yeah. On the N64. Yep. Uh, that one was yep. decent. I had a, I, I bought that one and it was a lot of fun. I, I played, yeah, I it, played that it was good on PlayStation too. So I think I, I had it on the PlayStation. Yeah. That's where I had it. Yep. Yeah. That, that was, was actually on 64. We had a big marathon with that one and it took forever. Oh yeah, it did. 
Is is that where I thought? Is that the one where food is good? Is that the one when you get food, it would say food is good? I can't remember. You know, I vaguely remember something like that. <laughs> it was like food is good. <laughs> Possibly because there was a, like a narrator to that one. Yeah. Street Fighter was a good port. Like Street Fighter on the Super Nintendo, I thought ported very well. On the flip side of that, maybe one of the most disappointing home console games ever was Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Stole mine. Like, yeah. What happened to the blood? What's this gray stuff? Okay. So now wait. We have to we have oh, to caveat that. Because it was a horrible port on the NES because it had no blood. The Genesis had the blood from the arcade. It did, you but then the you had code. to like hit the start button to change your buttons because you only had three buttons on the Genesis controller. Yeah. So therefore, well, it was the control was a bad port. Right. The well, controls. So yeah. But at least it looked more like Mortal Kombat than the NES version did. Guys, yeah. I, I don't know. I have to kind of back off on that one. The problem I have with that whole old argument. I mean, yeah, sure, the SNES version didn't have blood, but graphically, it was still pretty darn good. In terms of the actual uh, quality of the graphics, it was that a good, good NES game, but it was game a bad. It was good. Port. There was no blood, and that's why you play yeah. Mortal Kombat is for blood. Yeah. Yep. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's right. That's that's the that is the the thing for you know. Like I said, yes, I will give you that, Marty. It was a good NES game, but if you were to go, is it as good as the arcade version? No, you play the arcade version just because of the blood. Yeah, you don't so. play Mortal Kombat because it's a good fighting game because it's not. You no. play Mortal Kombat because there's a lot of blood and you want to do fatalities. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that. Uh, Ray, yeah. did, you, did you have a couple you wanted to share? Because there's one, one or two things I want to double back on. No, go ahead. I was I was trying to remember. I, there's a memory, and I was trying to Google to see if I'm even remembering correctly. But the old Indiana Jones Temple of Doom arcade game. Oh, an impossible game, but I believe it got ported to the NES and was my memory remembers it. It was like same game style, but a huge step backwards in graphics. That is especially hard. Yeah, is that the one where you rode the rail cars? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, you were going down, saving kids, and then at a certain point, you would end up on the bridge, and then you went back into the always going down. There was you know no way to ever go back up. And you could use your whip to jump across little pits because yep. then every once in a while you get in like a four door, like a room with four doors. And you had to get across pits and you had to pick a door. And if you didn't know the exact doors to pick every time, that game never ended. I am totally YouTubing that game tonight. I can't wait to see. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I'd forgotten all about it till right now. And I have to watch a video about it later. Yeah, I would say, I. but my, my brain tells me that there was a port for it on the NES. And, okay, there it is. Yep, Temple of Doom NES, and it is the same exact <laughs> game, but the graphics on it, like, it takes a very difficult game, makes it even more difficult, and then, again, takes a step back into the graphics. So that was one, because, again, I played that game a ton, because as a kid, anything Lucasfilm, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Willow, anything like that, I, I just Willow. gravitated towards, yeah. So, obviously, when you saw Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom in the arcade, it's like, yeah. And you play it, it's like, okay, it's similar to the movie, you're trying to save kids. And I remember renting it, I believe, for the NES. And it's like, wow, this is this is horrible. Give me back my Mario. <laughs> Even Duck Hunt looked better. <laughs> so, well, final thing on the ports, unless you guys want to keep going with it, uh, the, the no. two absolute best ports that I can really talk to. I know I talked about some good ones, but one was Soul Edge for PlayStation. 
um, because it actually took uh, um, actually they renamed it Soul Blade for the PlayStation, but they just added so much depth to the original arcade version that it had some, some very serious replayability. They had alternative weapons, additional outfits, greater story elements. Uh, Soul Blade was an amazing port for the PlayStation. And going back to Jay's point earlier, uh, the first real golden port to the home consoles as far as uh, arcade to uh, home home is definitely Street Fighter 2. Because if you were to mark the timeline, that was the beginning of the end for the modern arcade. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, the, the rise of the 16-bit systems, you know, you had... Uh, Street Fighter 2, you had Final Fight, you had arcade-caliber games coming out on home console now. And even though they would, like, miss a step or two here and there, like, I played a couple of real terrible ones, like, uh, you know that Aerosmith game, Revolution X? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Terrible port to the PlayStation. Horrible arcade <laughs> game to begin with, so. <laughs> and I'm an Aerosmith fan. <laughs> That's hilarious. But you can't help you can't help but acknowledge it's charm, you know. Oh, I know it's it's one of those games you, you plug fifty cents into it, you laugh and go, okay, that was a waste of fifty cents. Now let's go play a real game. Yeah. <laughs> it's a novelty. You got to play. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yep. So so you know, kind of since we're on the topic, where do where do you guys think uh, the the future of arcades is is going to be? Is it are we going VR? Do you think it's just going to be the barcade situation and it's going to die when we die, or what do you think? I think the answer to that is yes. I think you're <laughs> going to see. I think Barcade is is going to be the big thing. Uh, I have a friend, he's not a great friend, but a, a guy that I know that I hang out with every once in a while at cons. Him and his buddy started a brewery in St. Charles called Two Plumbers, and now it's a Barcade. So you go in, they've got all kinds of console or consoles, cabinets, several uh, pinball machines. Most of them are a quarter. Maybe one or two more fifty cents, but that's it. Um, and then they've got two uh, emulators where they'll switch out games regularly, and they both say they've got like thirty something cabinets in storage that they keep transferring out. Um, and they're they're always packed because um, I just think it's our generation grew up on it. Now you know, mid thirties, late forties, you know, you still bar scene is still out there for you know a hangout, um, and then you just add an arcade to it, and it just draws our age group in there. And then for the younger ones, VR, anything that's immersion, you know, I think the standing at a cabinet, you know, being 16 and standing at a cabinet now is probably gone for the, the mainstream, but stuff like Star Wars Battle Pod or that 14 Battle Pod where you're getting into it and it's a screen that envelops, you know, 360 from your view for the most part. It's not all the way around you, but it makes you feel like you're in the game Yeah. Um, or the VR shooters and all that other slowly making their way into like Dave and Buster's. I think that's really the future because kids and the younger need more stimulation than we did. You know, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, those are classics and some kids will still play that. But if you're really going to put an arcade out there and make money, it's got to be the new technology. Everything is just going forward. I made that, you know, the joke earlier, but so many arcade games can be played on your cell phone to where now uh, here's a real obscure, semi-obscure. It's exactly like Back to the Future 2 when Elijah uh, says, oh, you play this game with your hands? This is a baby's game, and walks away. It's just the way the kids are now. 
everything's got to be you know bigger and more tech. So, yeah, you, well, you do have a point there. Another thing too is you got to take in consideration they're all hooked on to networking games now, uh, online play capability, and you just don't get that in the arcades. So I mean. That's what they're used to. They're used to battle royales. They're used to, you know, twelve v twelve style games. But Jay, you look like you want to say something too. Just going to say, I mean, really, just kind of echoing what Ray says. I agree. I think they're going to last for a while through our generation, and then they're going to die out for good. A lot of what we get out of playing in arcades is a lot of that nostalgia from when we were kids. So if you didn't grow up with it, like if you didn't grow up going to the arcade and playing an arcade. An arcade's kind of stupid. Like, I got to put money in this machine and I got to, I can play this game for two minutes or I can download it at home and play it on my console or my iPad and play it as right. much as I want. You know, for us, it's that nostalgia and it's that camaraderie of playing games with your friends at the arcade and just that environment. So I think they'll last for a little while, but I, I don't foresee them lasting forever uh, into some of the younger generations. And then you have to wonder what this pandemic's doing to them, too. I mean, obviously, those arcades like Galloping Ghosts and those barcades, they can't have anybody or nearly the amount of people that they used to. And their revenue isn't from people putting quarters in machines. It's from paying an entry fee. And if people can't come in the door, they're not making money. Yeah. And those games are not cheap to keep up. No, and and they're becoming increasingly more expensive, especially the older ones. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because your average cabinet's even a cheap game is like thirty five hundred dollars, and that's just your first investment, you know. And if it's a good game, it could be ten or twelve grand for that cabinet, and that's new stuff. You're going classics if you're trying to find, you know, original cabinet, even Pac Man. You're talking twenty five plus thousand dollars if it's in good condition. So you know, if you want six of those in there, and then it's like, and you're only charging twenty five cents a play. That's a lot of quarters to recap that initial before you're even making money. That's just to recap the initial cost. So, yeah, yeah this pandemic, not only is it already hurting restaurants and all that, but arcades are probably that that untalked about industry that was already in trouble anyway. And may, you know, a lot of those small ones are probably gone already, if yep. not going to be. Another problem that we run into, though, is emulators. You know, there there's so much there's so much emulation going on now. And a lot of emulators are kind of bad. So you, you'll go to kind of like some of these nostalgia barcades and stuff. And they'll have arcade games set up. But a lot of them are just really cheap, bad emulators, which are just not quite as good as the originals also. So I think you're both right. I think it is a dying uh, art. But, uh, you know, seeing it from the current generation's perspective, it's hard to disagree. It's like, yeah, we can play from home or, yeah, we can stick money in there or a card and pay $30 to, for a spud card. What's fun about that? I could totally see their argument. Yeah. Well, that's why I said. I think barcades, again, take the pandemic away from this, but I think barcades is really the direction that traditional arcades have to go. 21 and up, obviously, because there's alcohol, but the average 14, 15, 16-year-old now, one, parents aren't probably dropping them off in an arcade while they're shopping. So most of your parents aren't going to want to stand there for 30 minutes while kids play video games. It's just the society we're in. So now, you know, 18-year-olds, that's kind of a a weird age for, you know, arcades in general. But 21, you go, okay, here's video games, which this younger crowd has grown into and has grown up on. 
even more so than the four of us have. And then you go, okay, and it's the bar seat. So you have 21, 20 year, two year olds at a bar scene, playing games, mingling, hooking up, whatever they need to do. I think that is really probably what could be the savior of arcades. Because again, 21 year olds go to a bar. As much as I hate to admit this, I've dropped $300 at a bar. If you were to say, here's a bar with 60 video games that are, you know, 50 cents a piece. And you could probably double that or at least tacked on a couple, you know, 50 more dollars just for the games I'm going to be playing. So, yeah, I think that's really for an industry to survive and adapt and grow in an industry that's been around since the late 70s and has seen a boom and then a crash and then a resurgence and then a crash again. Probably time to kind of adjust it a little bit and be less can't be, you know, less family friendly, but just less family oriented and be more bar oriented. Yeah. So, so to go along those lines and on a more positive note, um, it was a, oh gosh, it was a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago, uh, uh, big Papa Stace turned 50 and, uh, had a birthday and invited us out. We ended up going to the game works and I will tell you this, that was a great time. We had, we basically, uh, got a deal. Uh, it was like a Groupon where it was uh, most of the games were unlimited. Like we had unlimited swipes, right? And it was for like 20 bucks. And then you got so many on the stuff that wasn't the, the free, I'm saying free with quotes uh, to play that wouldn't work like that. You got so many uh, credits towards those. So you could still play those games as well. But yeah, the barcade thing, it's still there. I mean, it's still a blast. And, and I do definitely recommend people go out and, support those and especially especially the the like home-owned ones right like the 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 ones where you know it's not like a, a like a franchise per se support those too by all means but you know the the ones that were started up by by a, somebody who has a lot of passion for arcades definitely support those support them now support them when everything gets back to normal um and just you know let's keep that let's keep these things going so Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, kind of start to wrap this thing up. You know, uh, a lot of us have had these this topic come up before, but if you were creating your own basement arcade, right, or home arcade, and you could only have five consoles, what would they be? Who wants to go first? I'm gonna go last. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't see Barney on there going. Then not me, not me. I'll go first All right, then. So- I'll, I'll, go, go, I'll for go first. I'll go first. That's fine. All right. So, and I, I'm probably going to be like, man, I should have changed it once you guys start saying it. And I, yep. I'm, and maybe I'm going to steal some of your thunder too. But again, this is all nostalgia. Uh, time killers. I'm sorry. As terrible as that game is, I want it. I want it so bad. Um, cause I just want to cut all your heads off. Um, in the game, I keep, I, you know, got to make yeah, sure yeah, you guys yeah. know that. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, time crisis two. Uh, out of all the Time Crisis games, that one is by far my favorite. Uh, I remember uh, going down again to uh, uh, Cyber Station, and I basically had the first two levels memorized. I didn't even have to look. I could have turned away, and just by the sounds known when a, when a, when a duck or duck slash reload um, and all that. So that was a, definitely a good time there. Um, then we've got... <laughs> Cyber Sled, 
which is which was a two player game at least the one that that I played in where you're basically a, kind of like a tank um in, in a 3D and I'm again putting that in quotes um the game I was talking about earlier yeah yeah, yeah. and and polygon yeah. graphics yeah it yep. was it was it was a terrible game but I just really enjoyed it and and I like the Great fact game. I like the fact that you you could you know you had to balance what you wanted there was the there was the tank that was extremely agile and fast but couldn't take very many hits and didn't hit that hard. But then you had, you know, the beast tank, but it didn't have any maneuverability. But if it hit you, uh, you're pretty much done. So that is uh, number three. And then we've got Hydro Thunder, which is a terrible game. Yeah, but it's an I, okay racing game. But, I, but I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. it. It's because of the feel of it. You're sitting there. When you hit the throttle and you get the power up and you hit the throttle and the whole thing shakes and rumbles, it was just a lot of fun. And then to finish it off, uh, Alien or Aliens, that game that uh, I used to play in the in that uh, tavern up north. Again, a lot of great memories there. A lot of great memories uh, with my my buddies, my buddy Scott, and then also just the fact that for those who who think that Star Wars is my favorite trilogy of all time it's actually the alien trilogy so that's mine dropping the money goodbye marty you're next so um i kind of mixed up trying to bounce out my arcade a little bit first one i would say is star wars pinball that's a good choice yeah after out of all the pinball i've ever played star wars pinball is one of my most favorites uh, I'd want to throw a fighter in there and I'd go with Mace the Dark Age. Uh, Which we found a copy of that in uh, Florida. Yeah, that is, that's true. We did play it. Uh, actually, no, I don't think we did play it. No, that. we I, didn't I, play I did it. But uh, yeah, Mace the Dark Age, Terminator 2, because I'd want a shooter. Um, let's see here. That's three. Um, I'd almost. Oh, Tokyo Wars. That's a would, good one. Would, would be my uh, simulator style game. You know, that's uh, where you're. Uh, that's where you're uh, fighting as tanks and stuff. And uh, physically, I can't really do like the time crisis or anything like that, guys. So I'd have to go with. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but there is uh, an arcade boxing game where you had hand controls right at the front. They kind of fit like grips. And to do your uh, boxing, you would have to move your your fists forward or in a motion to do hooks and jabs and uppercuts. Extremely tiring game, but I forgot what it was called. There was a right I don't side remember the name, but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, those those would be my five. So I'm trying to balance it out with a little bit of variety. Uh, pinball, a fighter, um, a simulator style game a shooter, and then something a little bit more physical because I can't do like a DDR either. <laughs> right. That's fair. Yeah, those aren't bad. That leaves you, Radis. Yeah, well, it doesn't leave just me, but yeah. Well, because well, no, Jay's last, so. Yeah. Uh, so Alien is a good trilogy, but I think Star Wars trilogy is better, so it would definitely be Star Wars, but I would also have Star Wars Return of the Jedi, which I thought was a much better arcade game than Star Wars. So I'd have to have both of those. Um, I would go with NBA Jam. Uh, I spent a ton of money on that game and always just found it hilarious with all the hidden characters. 
Um, for me, it would also be the four-player over-the-top uh, view gauntlet. Um, classic game. I, I don't know. I just love that game. I wish they would. Like, the newest gauntlets on PlayStation 4 is fun, but just it, it misses something. Um, and then for a fifth game, Dragon's Lair. Again, a, a unique game, another very difficult one, and that was only because it was literally a memorization game. No, you know, no combos or anything. You just had to memorize the directions to push and what buttons to hit. But it was such a unique game and still graphically, you know, it's still one of the better graphics for video games of its time. Um, I want to say it was a Don Bluth animation voice acting on that one. But it's just one of those cabinets, again, uh, that one's a huge nostalgia as well. Just seeing that game in arcade, you knew that that was a money sink. But as an eight-year-old, you, you still just had to try it. It's like, all right, I know I'm going to die in three screens, but we're going to try it. So those would be my five. What about you, Jay? So I took this a little different way. I know you had asked previously for top five, but I started thinking if I have a home arcade, top there's 50. games I'm going to want to play myself. And then there's games I'm going to want to play with friends, right? Yeah. So I have a top five solo and a top five co-op. Double <laughs> top five here. But I couldn't, like, I couldn't justify doing one, not the other. So Go ahead and let I, it rip, man. Just, just let it flow. <laughs> I'm going to start with the top five co-op. So these are the games that I'm having people over. I want to go down to the basement and play. Uh, the first one, it could go either way. I would take either Cyber Sled or Tokyo Wars. I love both those games, and I would be happy with either one of them. The next one, Raidus, I'm right with you, NBA Jam. One of the arcade games of all time. That game has probably taken more money from me in my life than any other arcade <laughs> game. We yep. used to play it constantly. My next one, as great as the Time Crisis games are, I have a soft spot for Virtual Cop 2. <laughs> I love Virtual Cop 2. So Virtual Cop 2 is going in my co-op basement. I've got to have a fighter on the list. Uh, looking at all the different fighters through the early to mid-90s, before games really started getting taken over by the, the home council, I think Tekken 3 would probably be my fighter I would choose. And then I'm rounding things out with what I consider the greatest arcade game of all time, and it's The Grid. And if you're not familiar with The Grid... It was developed by Midway. It is a six-person cabinet. And when I say six-person cabinet, I'm not talking about like the X-Men six-player game. This is six individual Ooh. cabinets linked together, and it's a first-person shooter done in the arcade. You had a trackball and a joystick that you would use, and they had these like Mortal Kombat-type characters. So each character had a special move, and you're in these crazy arenas. And all these crazy guns, like a gun that shoots saw blades and one that shoots cannonballs. And it's just a free-for-all to who can rack up the most kills in two and a half minutes. Where did and you find this thing? So if you go to Galloping yeah. Ghost, they have a six-player one you can play. So this game came out kind of as arcades were really starting to die. And not a lot of places had them because uh, it takes up a ton of real estate. It's a six, I mean, it's six joined cabinets. So it's hard to find. If you get a chance to play it, it's literally my favorite game of all time. I remember you showed me some clips of that uh, uh, some time ago. Yeah, it looks awesome. It needs to be ported to home consoles. Like, it's a game that you need to be able to play online with friends because it's so much fun. Nice. 
My top five solo, I'm starting with Cruisin' World, a game that I always just <laughs> enjoyed playing in the arcade. It's got to be the arcade sit-down version with the brake gas steering wheel and the shift knob. Like, you got to be able to shift. Uh, I'm going to put Galaga down there because it's a game I always enjoy, and it's a game that if I'm low on quarters, I know I can get a lot of bang for my buck. Arachnoid, another game I just always really enjoyed. It's challenging, it's hard, but I think it's a lot of fun. Any one of the Gauntlet games, so either one of the original Gauntlets or Gauntlet Legends, Gauntlet Legacy, I would be happy with any one of those cabinets. And then my final game, I'm going to go out a limb and say none of you have seen this. If I had to guess somebody in this group saw it, I would guess Radis because you have an ability to like see random things like I do. But it's a game called Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. Has anybody seen it? I want to. <laughs> so do yourself a favor later and Google it. So this is a game I came across in the Dells. Uh, we talked earlier about picking your own hotel because of the arcades. I found this at an arcade randomly one time at a hotel in the Dells. And I made my dad go back to that same hotel like three years in a row just so I could play that game. So it's this really campy, like 50s sci-fi theme. For the time, I thought it had excellent graphics. It's this isometric, like everything's at a 45-degree angle. And you're basically the scientist on this planet that has to go around with this 50s ray gun and kill robots and rescue damsels in distress. It sounds and amazing. And find power-ups to improve your ray gun. And it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing game. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Wow. I want to say I have seen it because it's got the same isometric as Smash TV. It kind but of has that vibe, but it's... It also has a uh, uh, Marble Madness kind of uh, graphics yes, to it. very Marble Madnessy, yeah. and then it's just got this whole like 50s sci-fi nostalgia feel to it. Yep. Wow. That's a so, good one. Go ahead. I was going to say that's a good one, but we've all missed one important game and we all should be kicking ourselves for this uh -oh. it's the only one version of it it's the four player cabinet version of x-men how did none yeah. of us yeah couldn't even just realize that, that was on my list completely forget that game until just now i yeah. did forget it i actually i went back and forth on this one but i got to like that's a hard game to play like it's a hard game to beat and I got to play it at Galloping Ghost, and we beat it. And I realized every time you use your power move, like your mutant ability, it drains one-third of your energy. Yep. Like, yeah. so I, it's just it's a game that after actually beating it, I never had any, like, fulfillment to want to play it again. That game it's, was it's, also, it's not a skill that game. game. Yeah, that game was also the epitome of Porter Sucker 2. Yes, it was. Because... Yep. Yeah, so. uh, the problem I have with that one, and I was thinking about it just like Jay, too. The issue I have with that is um, it's been a victim of modern-day downloads. I actually yeah. had it on my 360 at one point, and it was just too easy to beat on home console. It's like, okay, we, I, I beat it after 20 minutes, and all of a sudden it restarts, and it lost its flavor really quick. So I've... It's one of those things that's been overexposed to me in recent years. Okay. So the last one I'll throw out as my term for this podcast to ask the questions. So about the better version of it, TMNT, four-player yep. cabinet. Great game. Great game. No, yeah. yeah. 
four player, like the two player version was cool. But the first time I saw four, where you have all four turtles on the screen at the same time, just that blew my mind as a kid. And like, the Simpsons game too, along so, those same lines. Yeah, Simpsons, fun, but... Simpsons for me are like the top two side scrollers from an arcade perspective. Yeah. I would take those over the X Men one. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would just say, you know, just knowing this group and how the X Men are kind of a vaulted subject. So I was like, okay, I have to throw that out there. But yeah, uh, the TNT would be would be the one I would buy, just because I think it was the better game from start to finish. So and like I said, it also the X Men had the iconic X Men, but I just felt that the four turtles were always better than any combination of the the four X Men. Well, because there was skill so. to it. There actually was yeah. some skill to it. Whereas X Men, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess you there was a little bit, but not so much. No, no, it was just straight button mash and pump quarters in is where with the turtle yeah. game and even the Simpsons game, you can start to time your attacks to an extent. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's going to be times when you just get overwhelmed, but you can time tax. You can do the jump attacks into multiple enemies. I mean, there's definitely some strategy to it yep. that extends the playability. Yep. Well, and like you said, there also wasn't any ability that drained half your health. Yeah. You know. Whereas, like I played Dazzler, and as soon as you do, yeah, you killed everything on the screen, but all of a sudden you were down a third of your health. So it's like, all right, it was just designed to kill you after so many uses. And the X Men so. game, you physically can't beat the bosses without using your abilities. So every time you get to a boss, you're pumping in two bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Although the bosses were awesome, we're gonna we have to throw that out there. They looked good, and oh yeah, no, the graphics yeah, was were fantastic, great. and. The representation of all the X-Men, all the characters, whether they were the playable ones or the enemies, was fantastic. It looked comic slash uh, cartoon put on the screen yep. allowed you to control it. Yep. Of course, so it's a cool TNT. cabinet. Yeah. It is. Yep. The artwork on it's great, too. So It actually made me think of Children of the Atom also. I remember when that first came out, that was a brilliant cabinet. Yeah. So I think we've done it, guys. I mean... I'm sure we could keep talking about this forever. I've actually, every time you got one of you says something, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What yeah. about? And I'm like, I got, I got to stop myself. Yeah. We, we, can, we can revisit this topic again. I think we point. should. Yeah. I think we should. And maybe, you know, we could, uh, you know, see if anybody else wants to pop on this one and give us their two cents about it. But yep. so, yeah, I mean, arcades are awesome. So definitely support them. It's it's uh, hopefully the the newer generations that are coming in will will at least have an appreciation for it and even if it's just time or two can spend some time in there and have some fun. I know that I, with my daughter, I'll definitely I already have brought her into arcades and you know she she's into it for like a minute, but she's still pretty young. But definitely, uh, I'm going to be trying to get her to to have some fun in those you know going forward. But. Uh, now it's time for plugs, gentlemen. And uh, actually, Radis, you better be plugging your your uh, your buddy's arc- barcade. That's, that's what I was going to say. I finally, of all the podcasts we've done, not a lot, but a few, I finally have a plug. Um, so it's called Two Plumbers. It's a barcade uh, brewery in St. Charles, Missouri. Um, great guys that own it. Uh, great guys that work up there. Um, they don't have a huge selection because they only carry local beers and wines that they brew or that they know the brewery of. But, you know, you go up there, you get a drink, they let you bring in food. Like I said, they've got probably between 30 and 60, I couldn't guess, different video games, plus the cabinets that they will trade out games. Um, you can even go on their Facebook page and request games. 
If they don't own it, they will put it up as an emulator, but they both said most of the requests they've owned. Um, and then just one last little wrinkle with them. They also allow board games to be played in the middle. Oh, nice. So they've got like six uh, nine-foot tables or something like that that you bring your own board game, and then they've also got a rack of free board games that they provide. So, yeah. Sounds, so it hard. sounds like an amazing place. Yep. So well, it's like we're taking um, a trip to St. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> Where I want to say, you know, all you guys are supposed to be my friends, but um, none of you people have taken me to these arcades in Chicago or Cherryvale Mall. Um, so well, I, I haven't say, gone I hate to all it either. All. So, yeah. So next time you guys come down here, we'll definitely uh, hit up two plumbers. And for those in the St. Louis area, definitely hit them up. They're great guys and they need your support. And it's just, it's a, it's a great two hour on Friday night, very laid back situation. Cool. So, yeah, I hit a plug. You had one, finally. So, Jay, <laughs> yep. what do you got? If you're in the Chicago area and you haven't checked out Galloping Ghost, I definitely recommend doing it. It's the greatest place on earth. <laughs> nice. And Marty, plug your channel. All right. Well, uh, once again, guys, my YouTube channel is Mad Respect TV. I've actually been given the channel more structured in recent months. I got a few regular gigs going on there. I'm, I'm aiming to do weekly content now, queuing some stuff up in advance and uh, getting some regular content. Uh, one of the more common programs I'm doing right now, I, I do what is called the Casual Gamer Review. So it's meant to t discuss a game that uh, is either nostalgia value or maybe something relatively new out of PlayStation. But it's I do the review based on the perspective of... Uh, busy working adult slash parent based on what, whether or not I think the game is fun, if it's worth uh, the bang, uh, if I'm getting the bang for my buck. So it's uh, been kind of the gig with the channel lately. And that was a uh, mad respect TV, correct? That is correct. All right. So yeah, check that out on YouTube. Uh, and I'll, I'll uh, go ahead and close the, out the plugs. I'm going to make it quick though, because I always take forever. So uh, we've got top cut, comics it's in loves park illinois great place check it out we've got cataclysm games and collectibles uh that's in mcchesney park illinois great place great people great games check it out for other podcasts we've our friend raven j has retro 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 uh you could probably guess what they talk about on there and then then there's uh the podcast saturday night freak show it's colin and the game um talking about uh, kind of sometimes obscure movies, sometimes not so obscure movies, but uh, uh, given a take, and I've definitely learned some things on that. So um, that'll finish it up for plugs. So definitely like to thank you guys for joining me today. It was a, This was an awesome conversation that we're going to have to revisit, and I'm sure after I hit the, the stop button on this, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. So thanks for joining us, Jay. Always. And uh, Marty, thank you for being here. Always a pleasure, guys. And Radis, as always. As always, great time, great conversation. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, this has been the Game Files Podcast. Y'all have a good night. Take care. Peace. How do you play this thing? I'll show you, kid. I'm a crack shot at this. You mean you have to use your hands? like a baby's toy. <laughs>